Hey everyone, welcome into another bubble edition of the Woj Pod. Here today with Thunder Guard Shea Gilgis Alexander, one of the best young playmakers in the NBA, and one of the stars of this Thunder team with Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, Steven Adams, that's headed to the playoffs. That's going to be a tough out in this Western Conference. Terrific visit with Gilgis Alexander. Stay with us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here in the bubble with Shea Gilgis Alexander, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Shea, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, the Thunder in here, a sixth seed right now, Shea. Your team has been together. No one has been sick. You had Dennis Schroeder leave, came back for the birth of a child. But it feels like you're the group, you're the team that has been just like rock solid, right? Yeah. Like just – you, as much as anybody kind of picked up where you left off mm-hmm. four months ago, that's what it's looked like with you guys. Is that is that what it's felt like playing with this team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like we have a, a group of guys that that has a priority straight, um, I guess you can say. Um, we, we all know what we're here for, and, and we're a competitive group of guys, and we want to get it done, um, and that comes first to us. Living in this bubble, coming into it, what you imagined it was going to be and what – they try to explain like mm-hmm. it was going to be. Is it different? Is it better? Is it what? What did you imagine when they first started describing this thing to you? Um, it's better than I thought it would be. Uh, I thought I didn't think we'd have as much activities to do, um, but once we they they figured it all out. Um, I was kind of excited to get here, um, not only just to play basketball, but I feel like it's like a a two month long or however month long AU trip, um, and I honestly miss those days being with my teammates so much. Um, and being able to do that it has, has been a blast. Now, I will say it's starting to get a little bit repetitive, um, and that's something I think well, we'll, we'll get out of it once we're, we're here for two months or whatever it is. Um, it'll just become day-to-day. Yeah, we were, we were talking before, like, it never felt more like an AAU tournament than you guys are playing yesterday against Phoenix. DeAndre <laughs> Ayton gets his test done and a result and comes racing into the game. Like, that was true AAU basketball, right? Somebody shows up, like, somewhere in the first quarter. Exactly. Put him in the game. Late to the game, yeah. The way it feels, Shay, between the younger guys and the older guys here, younger guys who don't maybe necessarily have families, who just can pack up, go, you've got some young guys on your team, but you've also got some veteran guys who are different points in their life. Like, what's the difference sort of in – young guys veterans living in here and and maybe how different of an experience it is when guys have families and kids and they might be coming in later if you advance in the playoffs it just honestly seems like there's more weight on their shoulders for the older guys um having more responsibility having to take care of somebody um obviously not a a lot of us young guys have that responsibility know what it's like um but yeah it's a lot of work and i hats off to those guys that that are doing this and also being away from their families when you get word that you're traded from the Clippers to the Thunder, really without any 
I don't think you really had any warning, mm-hmm. like it's coming. And you think of the way you had established yourself with the Clippers. It's great living in L.A. You had a team that I think was a lot of fun to play for last year. Correct. What, what was the first reaction of trying to sort of sort through that and go, what, what, what does this mean for my career? What does this mean to be traded at, at 21-22? Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing, like you said, was I was established with the Clippers. Um, and then I kind of what hit me f- right away was I got to reestablish myself with another team. And then it was, do they like me as much as the Clippers liked me? Um, how do I fit in their future plans? Um, but once I figured all those things out, um, I kind of got the answers I wanted, and I was, I was happy about the opportunity. How quickly do you get those answers when you talk to an organization about how they felt about you? So my agent also represents Russell. That kind of worked out. Right, kind of worked out in, 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 a, in a good way. Um, so I kind of knew very fast um, what the next steps were moving forward with the organization. Because your agent, Thad Fouché, had had Russell in Oklahoma City for a very long time. Right. I imagine he could kind of help you with the learning curve of here's what it means to play there, here's what it's like to play there. Did yeah. he? Was that one of the first conversations you had about tell me what it's like, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he had nothing but great things to say right away about the organization. Um, they do everything top-notch, um, and that's – Honestly, honestly, the truth. Ever, ever since I've been here, I've been nothing but pleased, and, and I'm blessed. Your whole career, Shay, like you've been, in some ways, you've been the guy like people don't see coming. Like you, you know, you committed to Florida early. You end up going to Kentucky. You don't start right away at Kentucky. And, mm-hmm. you know, the way it was always described to me was you didn't start right away. You're in the gym every day at 7 a.m., kept working and working. And then obviously once – I think you kind of forced the issue and once you got on the floor that team it changed you know and then with the Clippers that was a team that I think overachieved by I don't think people expected to be in the playoffs I don't think they expected you to be in a competitive series with the Warriors right. is it been a little bit of the story of your career about um, and I don't know that anybody would have expected you in your second year to be the lean scorer on the Thunder with Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari and Dennis Schroeder that people would have thought like that's your that's going to be your arc right um it's kind of been the story of my whole life honestly um I know everybody growing up feels like they're overlooked and guys that aren't highly ranked um but coming from where I come from just to make it to the NBA is out of this world and almost unbelievable but yeah growing up I was always taught to do you know what I mean reach for the stars um, and do everything you can to get there. And that's a testament to my parents. Um, and, and they're solely to them solely is the reason why I have the work ethic I do today. And, and that's probably the biggest reason why I am where I am today. What was it like on that Clipper team last year, the way that the team kept winning, I think kept over, I think exceeded everyone's expectations. It looked to me like you look at that team last year, and then your team this year, and the common denominator is you. Like, you've been on teams that they look like guys are having fun playing together. They're fun teams to watch. Not everybody's experience is like that their first couple of years right. in the league. Right. Absolutely. Um, not so much of who I am. Um, that's a testament to the people I've been around in my first two years. And like I said, I'm blessed to be with two really good organizations, with the Clippers and the Thunder. Um, my first year... 
from the vets to the coaching staff to to the front office, um, really genuine people, um, and people that honestly just wanted to, wanted to win and have fun. Um, and I think we did that my first year, and then my second year, um, people like Chris um, and then Gallo coming over with me, people that are almost wired the same way as it was my first year that just want to win, and that's that's first and foremost, um, and then just do it together. I, I want to talk about this playing with Chris and, and with this team, but when you show up in the NBA and you show up and you get drafted in with the Clippers and Patrick Beverly is there, right. how does Patrick Beverly welcome a young guard into it? How does he test you? Like, w- what is it like when you walk in the door uh, where Patrick's the leader, he's the other guy in your, your – one of the other guys in your backcourt? Right. Um, Pat is a really good guy. Despite what people see on TV, um, he's a great guy, and, and he, he was a blessing to have as a vet my first year in the NBA. Taught me so many things on and off the court. And, uh, and above all, he's a competitor. Um, and his biggest thing was just making me as good as I – well, helping me be as good as I can be. Um, whether that be me not getting an ice bath after practice or in practice him picking me up full court. Um, or trying to get under me, whatever it is. Um, he just wanted to make me better in, in every type of way. And that's his thing in practice, right? Going after you full court, yeah. right? Like you always talk to guys in the league. It's like Tuesday night in February in Sacramento and somebody like you come out and here's Pat like up in you. Right. And it's just like, come on, not tonight. Like not tonight. Like that's mm-hmm. what he does to people. Does he do that the first practice when you guys come into training camp? Is that the first thing he does up into you 94 feet? Um, yeah, I think that's where that's where he gets his his energy and how he gets going. Um, so that's not even uh, for him. That's just regular defense. That's the same thing as me standing in front of you trying to prevent you from going to the basket. He picks everybody up ninety four feet. Um, I think me being a rookie, um, he kind of wanted to to like not establish himself, but show me what you know what I mean, what it feels like. Uh, it was it was a task at first. It wasn't it wasn't too hard. He wasn't, you know what I mean, out of this world. Um but yeah, he does tire you out. Um and, and I got used to it eventually, but but it, it made me better in the end. What was that Warrior series like as a rookie, being part of that one of the great playoff comebacks anyone has seen? What was it like to be a part of that? Um, it was honestly just so fun. I think for the whole beginning of the fourth. I watched some of the amazing basketball I've ever seen in my life, watching Lou Will just pick apart the Warriors' defense. Um, and a guy like him not being 6'7", with a 7-foot wingspan, and being able to jump out the gym, um, him just being purely skilled um, and smart and knowing how to play offensively um, is something that amazed me, and then watching that was, was so fun. Um, then being a part of it towards the end and, and eventually getting the W was amazing. The whole year in – with the Clippers, the hard, what always to me was really impressive about that team is people were always talking about free agency and who are they going to get and right. what's this team going to look like. And sometimes that can distract a team. It can get a team, you know, guys can get caught up in it. And it, it felt like that group did a really good job of we were just, we're going to stay locked into this. But you hear that and then you start heading into the postseason and you think, I might be a part of something really Mm-hmm. big here. I mean, was that your thought like, hey, if Kawhi's going to come and Paul George, that wasn't on the radar. But was your thought, hey, I'm going to be here a long time and I got a chance to be the point guard on a team that's 
maybe in position to be winning titles. Yeah, um, at the time I thought I was wasn't going anywhere, um, and yeah, I was excited about the future, um, but I wasn't really I wasn't really focused too much on free agency. I, at that point, I would just let the the front office obviously handle all that. Um, I was just focused on coming back the best me I could possibly be. You know, it almost feels like when you watch you now and the break you had. This is your second year in the NBA. Does it feel like this is almost the beginning of your third year? Because you came back, you're stronger. You can tell your game elevated. You were playing great before. You, you've elevated it. Does it feel like you're almost in the start of something different yeah. than picking up from where you left off? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the biggest thing is the game has just slowed down even more. Um, it slowed down a lot from my first to my second year. And then having this break and being able to work on my, on my tools and, and watching film and stuff like that, I feel like it's slowed down even more. Um, and I'm seeing the game slower, and, and a lot of things are, are opening up for me. And then to play with Chris Paul, you know, practice with him, travel with him, be in the locker room with him, what's that been like? Yeah, um, Chris has been, been amazing. Um, I can honestly say he's like a brother to me. It almost feels like we do everything together. We go eat together. We watch games together. Work out together. Yeah, he's been he's been amazing. Like I said, it's taught me so much from eating correctly to recovery to reads in the game. Um, and the, the biggest thing about Chris um, is I think how down to earth and genuine he is. Um, obviously, with him and his accolades, he could easily act like. You know what I mean? He's the best thing in the world. I don't walk around like he's better than everybody. Um, but he honestly makes you feel like he's just like like your homie from back home. When you think of something like maybe on the floor that he's opened your mind to or made you, is there one or two things you say, Chris taught me that that, that part of this is really important. I never thought something was as important. Is there one or two things mm -hmm. that he yeah, has the, given you? The biggest thing I think is how Chris – approaches and looks at the game so probably this probably stood out the most to me so far um he said when you're on offense so when you're on offense you think about how you think when you're on defense so if you're guarding a guy defensively on the baseline and you know your helps to the middle you don't want to give him baseline and then but offensively you know that so you want to take baseline and then it goes the other way so if you're on defense you know what you want to do offensively to get where you want to go um, whether that be a setup one way to go the other way. Um, defensively, you think about that, how you would think offensively, and you counteract that. Um, I, so I think that that just opened so many things to me and kind of all being ahead of the, the defense or being ahead of the offense. Um, I think that just shows to, to how much Chris is obsessed with um, and how much he puts forth to the game. How much of that, too, kind of necessitates a lot of film work so that you, you're almost – because you can see it on film sometimes the way somebody might guard you and be thinking about it going into the game. Is there a whole level of preparation it takes? Can you do all of that in the moment without a lot of preparation? Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's possible, but it's a lot easier with with good preparation and film and, and seeing it. You might not get it right away every time, obviously, but the more you work at it and the more you see it, um, it will become easier. And that's what I've noticed – Throughout this NBA, I'm not going to be perfect. Um, but the more I watch and the more I, I try, um, whatever it may be throughout the game, um, I get better at it. To be a point guard in this league, and you play 
listen, you, you can play both spots. You have played both spots. You become a better shooter. What have you learned about, you know, you had some of it last year and then this year about what it takes for veterans to trust a young player, to follow him as a leader when you've got the ball in your hands. Mm-hmm. What have you learned it, it takes out of a young guy to sort of command that, that respect? Um, you got to prove yourself and then prove that you want to get better and you, and you have to work hard. Um, I think obviously as a young guy, you're not going to be the best player in the NBA right away. Um, no matter who you are, and the vet and the vets obviously know that. But if you work hard, you show you want to get better, and then prove yourself, and they they have no choice but to respect you and, and trust you. Your generation of player Shay, who grew up in Canada, and you know it's funny people talk about all like the hotbeds of basketball and like you know New York, Chicago, L.A. I mean cities that produced a lot of, but Toronto and Eastern Canada. Like, you were kind of part of a generation that grew up. There were guys that you could emulate who, mm-hmm. because the talent pool's been so deep. Like, how different was it, like, growing up and seeing the Raptors got good? You know, right. Vince Carter had a huge impact, right. I think, to guys. You know, maybe even, I mean, you were pretty young then. But what was it like growing up there, and, and how, like, how has the game changed up there? Yeah, um... So first you have the Vince Carters, the Chris Bosh, um, Tracy McGrady, the early guys. I mean, those guys were for us to watch. And they weren't necessarily from Canada, but they played in Toronto. Um, and it, it felt like they were closer to us than maybe the LeBron Jameses who were, you know I mean, playing in Cleveland or whatever it may be. Um, and then once guys from Canada started making it more, um, Steve Nash, obviously. And then once we saw guys that we could go see in high school playing Canada, like... Andrew Wiggins or um, Anthony Bennett. Um, it kind of gave us a little bit more hope um, seeing that they were playing in the high school down the street from us and then making it to the NBA. Um, and then I think it's just a snowball effect after that. Um, guys like Jamal, myself, um, Nikhil, uh, starting high school basketball in Canada um, and kids seeing us uh, wherever it may be and then, and then making it to the NBA is, is showing them they can do it. It feels like if the world ever gets back in order here, um, although it's in pretty good order in Canada compared <laughs> to this country, um, that the Canadian national team has a chance if all your best players are playing, whether it's World Cup, Olympics, you've got a group of guys, I mean, go down the list, it could be a real problem for almost anybody, for anybody in the world. Right. Yeah, I think we are, we're well-rounded, well sorry. Um we have young guys, vets, and I just think we 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 have talent. Um, first and foremost, I think we have guys that that, that can play basketball at a high level, um, and play multiple positions. Uh, but I think we're only going to get better um, with, like I said, guys making it to the NBA and, and the youth seeing that. Um, and then the more and more the youth play, the better they get, and eventually they get to where we are. Playing in the bubble with no fans and like the virtual fans, like people ask who aren't here, they ask what it's – I mean, I have one perspective on it. You're, you're playing in it. Yeah. But at the very beginning, it's hard to – it's just – it's kind of hard to process. It's like it's like you're on, like, a movie set or something, and, right. like, you walk off and everything's empty and there's mm-hmm. nobody. Now, after having watched it for a couple of weeks, you're just getting used to what it looks like. Are you getting used to it playing, or do you still every time walk out go, this is still a little strange? 
Yeah, um, walking out, it does feel strange. Obviously, every time you walk out at an arena, it's fans screaming or booing, one or the other. Um, and you feel their energy, and it kind of gives you a little bit more energy. But a couple games, I don't, they didn't turn the sound on yet, and we came out and it was dead silent. Um, and it kind of hit me right away, like, wow, this is different. Um, but once we, once you get playing and the, and the tip goes up, you don't even realize um, you're so so zoned in on the game and, and trying to figure out how to win that. Me personally, I don't even realize. It feels like the trash talk is going to take on a greater impact onto the game because if someone is saying something or yelling something, everybody can hear it. Right. And it's one thing if you have an arena crowd and people, some can, some can't, but if somebody says something that you want to react to or somebody wants to react to you, and I think especially once we get in the playoffs, mm-hmm. it feels like it's going to be a different part of the game. Right. Do you, do you, is that your sense? Yeah, I think once, you know I mean, the, the, the level – um, intensity and the stakes get a little higher um, and more emotions come out obviously I think it will add a little ripple ripple to the game um, with obviously the arena not being as loud as it usually is you can hear so many more things um, and from coaches too um, coaches a lot of times get to get to say things and the refs not hear them or stuff like that um, you hear everything the coaches say right. to a, like absolutely and I do wonder if they, because everybody hears it, I just wonder, like, if the technical fouls. It's one thing if just the referee hears it and he doesn't feel embarrassed. But anything any of you guys say sure. loudly or a coach, I do wonder if it's going to open up to more text because it's almost like the ref feels I have to react to this mm-hmm. because the whole, right. the whole world heard it. Right, right? absolutely. Yeah, it's going it's to be tough on both ends. Um, I think for me, I can speak for myself personally, I wouldn't. I haven't got one yet, knock on wood. Um, but I think because knowing that, you know what I mean, it's easier to hear, I wouldn't even – I would hold it back more and not even put the refs in that position to have to make a decision or have to feel embarrassed. I would just stay safe. Are you curious how it's going to get in the hotel when all of a sudden, you know, hypothetically you play Denver, you play Houston first round, whatever it's going to be, and, you know, you're walking around now, you see guys, you talk to them. But once – a series starts and things start. You've been in a playoff series. You know something happens every game. There's something, and now all of a sudden, being back in the hotel, you go to get on the elevator, and there's two or three of their guys. Do you, do you think the environment's going to be a little different among everybody because mm-hmm. that competition level is going to is going to elevate? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I would expect. Um, it's the same. Like I said earlier, it's the same way with AU. Um, they're your homies, or you know them from from other AU tournaments. But once it becomes quarterfinals, semifinals, or the finals of the tournament, they're not your homies no more. You don't you're not going to meet up with them just to meet up with them. Um, and yeah, a lot of a lot of it's just competitiveness, um, and, it, and it plays a part in the game. I love it. This just feels like a big AAU thing, doesn't it? It still yeah. does, right? Yeah, absolutely. You guys absolutely. talk about that? Yeah, we did. We talked about it almost every day earlier, but now we're just getting used to it. Your mom. Shay Charmaine was an Olympic sprinter, right. uh, 92 Olympics, 400 meters. As you're a young kid and you're getting into sports and you're, like, learning how to take care of your body, how to, how to find edges athletically, is there a benefit to that with your mom? Because sprinters, mm-hmm. that is such a disciplined lifestyle, right. and split seconds mean everything, and 
they don't leave any rock unturned right. with their body, right? Absolutely. Um, I think for my mom, her biggest thing early was not to be. Obviously, she she sprinted, um, and that's super hard on your body, um, and very demanding in terms of your coaches and stuff like that. So I think for her early, um, she just wanted us to have fun with the game um, and just play. She didn't she didn't harp on anything too much, if if at all early. Um, and I think she really wanted us to find the love for the game if we had it ourselves and not force it upon us. Um, and then once once we obviously took a step further and, and realized that we did, she work ethic and stuff like that, um, she helped a lot with. And obviously her, her being an Olympian, she has to have crazy work ethic. Was that knowing that your mom had been an Olympian and then you start to play for Canada's national team, junior national and then national, was that always a part of your thinking of, that's something I want to do too. And it would be kind of neat that both of us had that opportunity. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny when I was younger, she used to hang it over my head. Um, say that I was never the athlete she was, uh, because she did all those things, but I think it's starting to catch up with her now and she doesn't say that anymore. Um, but yeah, it was definitely something that, um, that I want to accomplish. Not, not just because she did it. Um, because I had watched those Olympic games or World Cup games um, as a kid and, and just the atmosphere um, seemed like something I wanted to be a part of. This is great. I appreciate you jumping in and doing this. Playoffs are they're around the corner in this place, so we'll, yeah. we will see you out there. But I appreciate you doing this, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guest today, Oklahoma City Thunder guard, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also listen to the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhurst, the Low Post with Zach Lowe, and of course, ESPN Daily with its new host, Pablo Torre. We'll catch you again soon. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.